Hey folks, Joni here, and I've brought a trivia question for you. Which A-list celebrity thinks Charlotte music is all right, all right, all right? Well, you, you know it, it's Matthew McConaughey, of course. Well, McConaughey recently recognized Charlotte musician Justin Fedor for his selfless work in organizing the Tribute to Benefit concert series here in Charlotte, which has raised tens of thousands of dollars for local charities. Well, in honor of that well-deserved recognition, and with it being the season of giving after all, we're revisiting our 2019 interview with Justin Fedor and hearing his thoughts on picking, grinning, and giving back to the community. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and I hope you stay safe and stay inspired. The musicians who think that they're going to be discovered, those those days are kind of over, you know. I think uh, it is about wanting to go out there and, and doing it for the love. And if you're doing it passionately and for the love, I think people will gravitate towards that, you know. I think people, they see that in you, and they see that in your band. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about record deals. I wouldn't worry about how huge you can be. I'd worry about having fun and doing it with love. I'm Joni Deutsch, and from WFAE in Charlotte, this is Amplifier, the music podcast where we shine a light on the artist who calls Charlotte home. Because Charlotte is more than just a banking city or a football city. So every other Thursday on this podcast, we're going to explore the people, places, and things that help define the Queen City's crown sound. And today, we'll hear from the Charlotte multi-instrumentalist, who's reached across genres of music and bands to give back to his community. And that's coming up on Amplifier. Amplifier. And then the beat will drop. Amplifier. Amplifier. Can you introduce yourself and what you do? My name is Justin Fedor. Uh, I'm a multi-instrumentalist singer-songwriter here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I started The New Familiars. I play in Ancient Cities. Uh, I play with Christian. And I've most recently started a new project called The Denim Denim. And I've also got a concert series at the Neighborhood Theater called Tribute to Benefit Levine Children's Hospital. The last seven years, we've been raising a lot of money for the hospital, and uh, it's a really great time. So, Justin, for more than a decade, you've been an advocate for Charlotte music, splitting your time between Appalachian Roots Band, The New Familiars, and the psychedelic garage rock group Ancient Cities. But you've also been an advocate for Charlotte causes, including, as you just mentioned, the Levine Children's Hospital. So how did your love for music start when you were younger? Well, uh, I had two older brothers, uh, and they used to uh, teach me a lot of lessons as a younger brother. As younger brothers do, we'd lock ourselves away inside of a bedroom, and, and the only thing I had was a guitar and just started practicing a lot. Uh, my sister had a piano. I used to bang around on that a bunch. Uh, it was always just kind of finding quiet times around the house and making noise for myself. I discovered my parents' vinyl collection early on, uh, and my dad was into like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and all that sort of stuff. So I was learning Zeppelin songs at it, you know, that was middle school for me. And I think there's a lot of guitar players that start with Zeppelin, um, you know, 
it, it it's funny because now even now in as at my ripe old age, I uh, I can still remember some of the first songs that I'd ever learned on the guitar. Eventually, you know, I, I settled down into like roots country um, because the acoustic guitar just lends itself to that so much more uh, than it does for rocking out all the time. And I just find the acoustic guitar more fun for me. I write more on the acoustic than I ever do on the electric. I mean, I think MTV Unplugged definitely started pushing me in that direction. Uh, when REM did it, it was incredible. Um, and then, uh, you know, Pearl Jam's MTV Unplugged was also amazing, but it, it, Stevie Ray Vaughan was on there, and, and that started to get me to like really pay attention to more blues. Uh, and, and then I guess it was somewhere in college. Um, uh, the, I might have even been like playing at college parties and trying to you know get a grasp on what people were actually listening to. Um, uh, but you know, I've been listening to country probably my whole life, uh, just from friends and and stuff. My parents were more of like psychedelic rockers, but the, my friends were more of country people because I grew up in the South. Um, so yeah, I, I guess there's there's the balance between why I can play in ancient cities and and then do you know all of the Americana stuff I also do. It's like you know I got my parents over here doing the, hey you should play psychedelic rock, and then you know all my friends being like let's play Roots. So, <laughs> if I leave here tomorrow, if I stay one more day, would you go with me, darling? Help me find a better way. Cause I And all this took place in North Carolina. You mentioned the South, but specifically it was the Greensboro area, right? Yeah, and, and Greensboro is a nice crossroads. You know, 40 and 85 run through there. Uh, so you're, you're just got a couple of hours in any direction, and you're going to be in a, either hanging out with psychedelic rockers or folk musicians uh, or the beach or the mountains. You know, you get that. And it's also kind of the gateway from the North to the South as well. Uh, so I, I feel like, you know, even though it's looked at as a southern state, I think we, we see a lot of travel come through this state. And there, there's also a lot of colleges here. So there's a lot of progressive thinkers and people absorbing lots of different types of culture, all at the same time of being a sleepy southern state. I think it's that mix of importing culture and exporting it so that you are getting that melting pot of sorts of inspirations and sounds in, in, in one state. Ain't that America? 
So from Greensboro, North Carolina, your hometown, your home state, you moved over to Arizona, to Scottsdale for some time. And then you eventually moved back to North Carolina, but you decided on Charlotte for your new home. What was that that travel decision like? Well, um, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I love my family and I love my hometown, but I just can't go back there uh, and be like back in that sort of it, it just feels like I'm back inside of a time capsule when I go back there and I love it for the holidays, you know, so being an hour and a half from my family instead of, you know, a flight across the country felt a lot better. I lived out in Arizona for several years and it was fun. I saw a lot of the Southwest uh, and then went back there with my bands. But at this point now it's, it's, uh, I love being able to just drive up and see my mom, see my dad, see my brothers. Uh, my sister lives up in the Boston area, so I don't get to see her as much. But when she comes home for the holidays, uh, you know, she's understanding why I moved back to North Carolina. Around the time that you moved back home in 2006, you began the New Familiars. And it's that nitty gritty, picking and grinning acoustic Americana group. What spurred you to start the band? Well, you know, I'd been playing with uh, my friend Eric Scott Guthrie and uh, James Stratford. We grew up together, and they were living here in Charlotte when I moved here. Uh, and we'd been playing bars and stuff, and then we had this band called Lowry come down from New York City, uh, and they were doing a residency at the Evening Muse for the Monday night open mics. Uh, and during that time, we taught them all of our songs and decided to do some shows with them being our backing band with the idea that every time we'd go do a show, our songs would be the same, but the backing band would be different. So the songs would always be new but familiar. Um, and uh, so we were called Fedor and Guthrie and the New Familiars for, I don't know, maybe like eight months. I think we even put a CD out like that. And my friend Reeve Cobes was like, that is just, you got to do something about the band name. There's just too many ands in there. It's, it, it's, it's too much. Uh, so we cut it down to the New Familiars and... After the band Lowry left, we decided that was also a terrible plan to have a constant changing backing band. So we just decided to get some players that would always play with us. And then they left and other players came in and they left and other players came in. And, you know, Growing Pains being a band for 14 years, we had a huge roster when you look back at it. But the, you know, the years with Daniel Flynn and and Pat Mahalan and Josh Daniel and H.L. Ruth, those were the heart years of, uh, of the New Familiars. And, and, you know, when I think of the New Familiars, those are the guys I think about. So you mentioned the kind of core group, the the golden years of the new familiars. And let me just say, there was a time during that career span when your band was playing more than 150 shows a year, that you were on tour, you're at festivals, you were working with industry musicians like Levon Helm, the Avid Brothers, Greg Allman, Del McCurry. There's even a time when you performed at the Kennedy Center in 2011 and opened for Vice President Joe Biden. All that happened 
without band management, without a major record deal, you were independent as a band. What was that like trying to navigate through these waters, finding musical success on your own? Uh, testing, hectic. Uh, there's a lot of like leaning on each other during those periods. Uh, we got a loan, bought our own van, uh, did a lot of crazy stuff. We even landed a, a, a sponsorship with Highland Brewing uh, during that time. They paid us a lot of good money. And it was, it was awesome. You know, it was just you only get so many shots to grab your friends, climb in a van, and travel around the country. Uh, and, and for me, it was, you know, it's still uh, some of the best times of my life. Uh, uh, easily, some of the best times. It was really fun, and it was really freeing. The freedom that you get from being able to pour all your love into something and lean on your friends uh, to get inside of that love as well and then to create and know that you can come home and your bills are paid. It was it just, it's just an incredible feeling, an incredible thing to have been a part of. Uh, I can't really even, it, it, maybe one day I'll write a book about all these years, but it, it, <laughs> it really was. Uh, I mean, I got to play with my heroes, you know. I mean, we opened for Greg Allman at the Fillmore. I mean, that, for that, like, you know, that's just, you, you don't get to trade that for anything. You know, it's just one of those fulfilling parts of your spirit, your heart. I, I never bought more tickets to see a concert than to see the Allman Brothers. I mean, I've paid so many times to see them and then stand in the back of the Fillmore to chat with Greg Allman. Come on, that's fulfillment. That's life fulfillment. First guitar I ever bought, uh, I wanted to buy a guitar. My sister, um, she had a piano. She didn't know how to play it. Uh, I wanted a guitar. I went to my folks. I was like, you know, can I... Can you guys get me this guitar? There's a guy at school. He'll sell it to me for $125. My dad told me I could go referee indoor soccer during Christmas break, save all my money, and buy that guitar. And that sent me on the, the path uh, of knowing you can do it yourself. You, nobody's going nobody's gonna to do it better for you than you do it in yourself, you know. Uh, unless you meet some expert and you don't know what you're doing, then obviously they're going to do it better than you can. But... You know, if you really believe in yourself and you want to do something, you got to go do it. It's not something that, like, the musicians who think that they're going to be discovered, those those days are kind of over, you know. I think uh, it is about wanting to go out there and, and doing it for the love. And if you're doing it passionately and for the love, I think people will gravitate towards that, you know. I think people, they see that in you, and they see that in your band. Uh, so... I wouldn't worry about record deals. I wouldn't wor worry about, you know, how huge you can be. I would worry about having fun and doing it with love. You also brought an interesting perspective, a different mindset to the band, because you had graduated from uh, UNC Greensboro through the business school. So you were able to come into uh, this line of work, being a musician, but also saying, this is how we keep up our finances. This is how we're able to budget our time and money and resources. Was it good to have that experience going into being a part of the band or helping with the band's success? Yeah. I, I mean, you got to do the math at the end of the day, and people got to be able to pay their bills when you come home from the road. If the math doesn't work, there's no longevity in it. You know, so... You definitely have to sit down and crunch the numbers. Um, and, and you got to be firm with people, too, you know. 
people are going to tell you that you can get great exposure or whatever. It's like, well, it's cool. Exposure doesn't pay rent, though. You know, I've had lots of great exposure over the years, folks. Trust me, I'm not a rich man. <laughs> Coming up, Justin Fedor on the end of the New Familiars, the start of his psych rock band, Ancient Cities, and the impact of playing music with and for the community. That's right after this break. Stay with us on Amplifier. So after five years together, the New Familiars released their full-length debut record, Between the Moon and Morning Light, and sadly, it wasn't just the New Familiar's first full-length release, but also its last. The band closed the doors on the project in 2019. Was it a difficult process to go through? Um, I, I hate to say it, but like a breakup, because in a way, it's it's like a relationship. You're not together in that sense. Yeah, uh, it was. It's definitely been um, a, a tough year for the entire band. Uh, our, and and not to get into too many specifics, uh, but overall, you, life uh, happens and people grow in different directions uh, and people have to go do things that are uh, just more important uh, for them and for, for all of us to move forward. Uh, the best decision came to let these years go stand as their own and to move on from it. Uh, and we have vaults of memories uh, that will carry us a lifetime. So it, it, it's not sour grapes. It's just uh, it's just time to move on with other forces that are happening in our lives. And you have a number of forces going on in your life, Justin. And I'd say the one happening, the one that has happened very recently, has been the release of the third full-length record from Ancient Cities, which, as we mentioned earlier in the interview, is your non-Americana band. It's not really in the roots category. It's more in the psychedelic rock uh, grunge sound. Um, so tell us a little bit more about Ancient Cities and, and and that band and how it came together in Charlotte. Well, Stephen and I had always been friends and I've actually always invited him into the studio uh, with the new familiars. So he plays tambourine on one of our releases. He sings some backing vocals on another one. Uh, so he's all over the new familiar stuff. Uh, and so Stephen Warwick and I, uh, he slid over a CD of demos, uh, I guess it's been almost six years now, uh, that I didn't listen to for like three months. And then I finally listened to him. I was like, this stuff is great. And I called him. He's like, yeah, well, I'm in, in the studio working on the album. You should come by. And so I went over and uh, played a bunch of like banjo, electric guitar, or some other stuff on there. Had a good time. Uh, from that record, Ancient Cities, Ancient Cities, our debut record, uh, we kind of built a band out of that. Carry on a prayer. 
uh, I grew to love a lot of different people. And uh, some friends of mine uh, lost their son uh, who was born with uh, a heart defect. Uh, and, and you sit on the sidelines, you watch that happen. Uh, and you look at uh, the state of affairs out there and you, you think about your neighbors and, and people out there that are hurting. Uh, and I got tired of sitting on the sidelines and watching parents struggle with keeping their kids alive. Uh, so when Ray Manzarek passed away, I was approached uh, by the neighborhood theater to try to put together a concert. And I was like, what if we do like a tribute to the doors and we take all the money we give to the children's hospital? And they thought it was great. Uh, and so we did it and it was a huge show, awesome turnout, thousands of dollars raised. Um, afterwards, I got a lovely little note passed through uh, Scott Swimmer over at Drumstrong. Uh, he sent me a note from uh, John Dinsmore of uh, The Doors uh, thanking me for putting on a tribute to Ray Manzarek but not taking the money home, uh, but actually doing something good with it uh, and something healing with it. Uh, and that just got me to thinking about uh, what we can do with tributes to music, uh, the tributes to the greats, uh, tribute, you know, we've done one, we did one to Lou Reed when he passed away. Uh, we did one for Tom Petty when he passed away. And it's, it's, it's taking those moments of uh, a little bit of sadness and a little bit of pain uh, and actually figuring out a way to do something great and good with it. Uh, as a musician, I think I'm, I'm constantly out there being like, hey, look at me, listen to my band, check me out, uh, support me, support me. And then one day it just sort of connected with me that... You can't constantly ask a community to support you without trying to support them in some manner as well. Uh, and so that's my, that's my pledge to the Charlotte community is that like, you guys have supported me for so long and I will continue to support you guys uh, doing a concert twice a year uh, at the Neighborhood Theater to raise money for our children's hospital. So you mentioned that over the years you've had different tribute concerts focused around different dedications, different themes. You've done one for Lou Reed. You've done one about the New York City music scene. You did one as a tribute to women in music. Tell us more about the selection process for these concerts and how you're bringing Charlotte's musicians into this process. Well, I think the selection process kind of reveals itself. Uh, so, um, you know, it was, it was when Tom Petty passed, it was pretty clear that we needed to do a tribute for Tom Petty. Um, women of music seem pretty appropriate considered how, how often women of music are overlooked. Uh, the New York City, the date that was available was 9-11 uh, that year, so it felt like um, that was a, a good thing to do. Um, and and as far as like the band selection process, uh, I, you know, always being out there, looking at bands, checking out bands, talking with my friends' bands. Um, I'm constantly looking for new talent, uh, but I'm also always relying on you know the same old faces. Uh, I've got a list of always invites. Um, so you know, people that have been here in the scene with me for as long as I can remember being in the scene, they get always invites. You know, the Sammies have. Have been on my always invite list. Uh, you know, Scavone is uh, Jason Scavone. Yeah, yeah, he's an, on an always invite list, uh, and 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 I keep doing those sorts of things um, because 
it's twice a year and all of these musicians give their time and so sometimes they just don't have the time to give uh so i, I cast a wide net see how many of the old faces i can get back and then i start going in for new faces i try to get as many different types of genres there as well well the next tribute to benefit is set for friday december 13th at the neighborhood theater 2019 will mark the sixth year of Tribute to Benefit. Since you began these shows, you've raised more than $70,000 for Levine Children's Hospital. What have you learned along this way of bringing bands together on stage to raise awareness, raise funds? Um, what have I learned along the way is that... There are wonderful people in the world, uh, and, and you don't have to look any further than yourself. Uh, sometimes you just got to start looking within yourself and figuring out how you can be that wonderful person that you want to see in the world. Um, so if, if you don't feel hope in the world, you don't see good things in the world, it's probably because you've stopped doing things that are good and hopeful in the world. So I started doing that, and uh, friends have gathered around uh, in wonderful ways. And the, the biggest part, I guess, has, for me, has been the impact, um, of people that have made it on me. So I've met, uh, a lot of people through this entire journey, uh, that have changed my life completely. Um, parents who have, uh, who have been at Levine Children's Hospital, who, who lost their children, uh, parents who's, children are still fighting, and then parents who have been success stories at the hospital. Uh, that's been the biggest impact on me uh, personally, uh, to have them come to me and uh, say thank you. It's, uh, it's, you know, give me a second. To have someone say thank you uh, who's gone through so much is uh it's life-changing for you it's it's emotional to talk about sometimes because i think about uh i think about those stories and and it's just an interview just breathe deep <laughs> now take your time so i try to think about uh the stories and the people that i've met along the way and uh, I think about their fight and what they've gone through and how fortunate my life has been to have not had to be in a children's hospital. Uh, and and that's what, that's what re-inspires me every time. Uh, that's what keeps me going. That's what, uh, I mean, that's what gets me up in the morning, you know, because not every day is a children's hospital benefit. You know, there's a lot of, mundane grayness to the world uh, but if you take the opportunity to think about those that aren't as fortunate as you and then take the opportunity to reach across the table uh, it can be rewarding and life-changing for anybody that wants to get into those shoes so that's what i guess the benefit has taught me with all of that emotion and everything that i just try to convey it's a hard one to sum up sometimes. I don't often get to say stuff about that on the microphone, so. You know, Justin, over the course of this series of Amplifier, we've asked artists for nominations for 
the names of their favorite music makers in the community. And a couple of the folks mentioned you and the work that you've done at these tribute concerts. And in particular, the um, alternative group, Bless These Sounds Under the City, mentioned this about you after participating in one of those tribute concerts. It's always wonderful to be able to play music, but especially when it actually supports something beautiful outside of ourselves. Yeah. That's, uh, that sounds like something those guys would say. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have people talk about me that way. I am, but, you know, I, I love being a part of the Charlotte music community, and I love being a part of something that is bigger than any one of us, uh, especially when it comes to doing something that benefits all of us. So between recording albums, touring around the nation, and organizing these tributes, what is your message to Charlotte and to the Charlotte music scene? You know, it, you, you're never, you're never going to fix the world talking about it. You're never going to change things talking about it. we, we got to get back to the basics of, of doing and working and stop all the talking. Uh, it's, a, it's a big year for us, you know, and I understand tensions are high in election years. I get it. But we want to fix things in this country. We have to work together and start on the most basic level, our neighbors in our, in our own communities, helping social projects, not just the Levine Children's Hospital, the urban ministries. There's a lot of people out there that need volunteers, that need help. And that's the message. Don't remember who I am. I was never good with change. I woke up a different man with a different name. Justin Fedor's latest release with Ancient Cities is titled Spirits of Light, available on ancientcitiesband.com and wherever fine music is streamed and sold. Amplifier is a production of WFAE. This episode was written and produced by me, Joni Deutsch. Our editor is Jadon Marshall. Our theme music is provided by Dirty Art Club. Share your favorite Charlotte music recommendations with me on social media. You can tag and follow me. I'm at a change of tune. Amplifier features a new musical episode every other Thursday. So make sure to subscribe to the Amplifier podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts. And if you're listening on NPR One, make sure to give us a heart or a favorite. Check out the playlist and show notes for today's episode, along with a Charlotte music map and a way for you to submit your music on our website, wfae.org slash amplifier. Until next time, I'm Joni Deutsch. Thanks for listening.